Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name is Helen. I'm Janet. I'm Mel. And I'm Olivia. This episode is brought to you by the CW's Kung Fu. On Asian Boss Girl, we're all about empowering Asian American women to be unstoppable and kick ass in their line of work. Speaking of kick ass, we are beyond excited about the new CW show, Kung Fu, and its predominantly Asian American cast. Kung Fu follows a Chinese-American woman named Nikki Shen who, due to a quarter-life crisis, drops out of college and attends a monastery school in China. Upon her return to San Francisco, she finds her city overturned with crime and corruption from the triads. How will Nikki use her martial arts and Shaolin practice to protect her hometown? Can she protect her family from corruption? I guess we'll have to ask our friend and star of the show, Olivia Lang, these tough questions. Today, we'll be chatting with Olivia. You may have seen her in some of your favorite Wang Fu shorts or, like Mel, around campus at UCSD. Yes, they went to school together. Please welcome to Asian Boss Girl, Olivia Lang. Welcome, Olivia. You guys have great podcast voices. That is such a compliment. I know. Thank you guys all day. It's a lot of practice. Thank you. We don't believe it, but thank you. (laughs) Olivia, we're so excited to have you on the podcast. And congrats again on the show. Uh, we were really excited to hear and see your face on the posters. We're like, oh my God, it's Olivia. Um, before we dive into the details of the show, we really want to hear more about you. You know, I knew you grew up, I know you grew up in Diamond Bar, California, but how was Olivia like growing up? You know, like how was your childhood like? And where did you go to school and what did you study? Um, thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here um, amongst you guys, you other Asian boss girls. Um, I, yes, I grew up in Diamond Bar. And um, I went to school at, well, I moved around quite a bit, but it was all in that area of Hacienda Heights, Roland Heights, Diamond Bar, you know, where all the Asians are. So um, I had a childhood of just kind of, I mean, just a normal Asian kid childhood, which means after school, Chinese school, piano lessons. My mom wanted me to be a genius, so like I took abacus lessons. Oh, oh wow! The, the beaded calculator. Um, never learned it. Like I just sat there and did mental math. I have no idea what they're doing with the beads. Um, <laughs> it was a, it was a normal childhood of of just all of those kind of extracurricular activities that weren't really fun mm. um, until I found dance, and my mom let me be uh, be a dancer. Wait, I have a question. So, did you start dancing in high school? I started dancing pretty late. It was probably uh, seventh grade. Oh, okay. So compared to like other dancers who have been doing it since they were like four or five years old, um, it was a late start, but um, I really loved it. So I like dove real deep into it. Yeah. And it sounds like, have you always been like an artistic, expressive person? Because I think dance is very expressive, right? Yeah, I think so. I think I've always liked putting on a show, I guess. Mm. Like I would watch TV and then try to reenact all of it for my mom and my sister. And so that there was kind of a showmanship mm. quality to like what I like to do. And coming home from school, I would like to try to make my mom laugh by telling mm. her what happened that day. And so I, I do think I've always wanted 
to express myself with words or with like my body and movement and, and what have you. I know. So I know you went to UCSD. What did you study? What was your major? <laughs> it was uh, a little, uh, it was communications. I started doing political science and I was like, don't care. <laughs> and then I did econ um, because my mom was like, well, d- study econ. And then I got a D in macroeconomics and I was like, don't. truly don't understand what's going on and so I was like I guess I'll do communications because like (laughs) it's the easiest um do you remember where we met Mel because I I have like a fuzzy memory but why do I feel like it was that like pageant that Luna made me do do you know what I'm talking about I know exactly what you're talking about so just to give you guys some context before you know um so Olivia and I met in undergrad at UCSD and at the time I was very involved in the Taiwanese American Student Association and we had like this biggest event of the year it was called the Miss Formosa Mr. Formosa pageant and I was literally trying to like gather students to please participate in my contest and I remember I was talking to Luna, who's our mutual friend, and she's like, oh, my God, I know someone. Her name's Olivia. She's in my org. She'd be perfect. She dances. I'm like, oh, my God, get Olivia. Please get Olivia. And then Olivia, she agreed to be a part of the pageant, and she actually won. <laughs> no. She won. <laughs> so that's how I know Olivia. It was so bizarre. And then that's crazy to see her in L.A. I'm like, wait, what? Like, worlds are colliding right now. Yeah. Well, after you graduated, you started working with Wang Fu, right? Kind of? Was it, like, pretty immediate? Yeah. So I started, um, yeah, I started Wong Fu, like, pretty, like, a year after I graduated. And I was also a communications major. So um, Olivia and I have a lot of, uh, actually, Olivia and I have a lot of things that overlap. But I think all of us also, Jan and Helen, they're all, we're all related to Wong Fu in some shape or form. Cause, Totes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because Jan also went to UCSD and she's also a dancer. What? And Helen... She's, you know, Mrs. Wong Fu. Yes. Miss <laughs> <What? laughs> Wong Fu. He's, miss, he's Mr. Wu. And yeah, she's he's Mr. Wu. Wu. Exactly. <laughs> he's this, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, actually, so Mel's point of uh, Olivia, I also did go to UCSD many years before uh, both of you. But I was wondering, you started dancing in seventh grade. Did you um, ever consider um, dance in college as like a profession? I didn't. So the kind of the trajectory of, or kind of my origin story, I guess, of how I actually started considering acting as a real career started my senior year of high school where um, that year I actually signed with an agency because there was a guy at my school who graduated the year before and he started um, he was an assistant at an age at a talent agency and he was like they were looking for dancers to just sign and he asked me if I wanted to do it and so I ended up getting signed with them and they would send me on auditions leading up to going away for college. And those auditions were like commercial auditions where you have to improv a lot. And it was the first, it it was me realizing the childhood dream that I had of like wanting to be an actor Mm. and then being like, oh my God, I forgot. This is what I like always wanted to do. And so I did have that conversation with my mom. I said, mama, I don't want to go to college. I want to be an actor and a dancer. And she verbatim said, over my dead body. And I was like, got it. Mm -hmm. I will be going to UCSD. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then I I did end up taking some dance classes as um, my like arts under whatever. I don't, what are those called? It was like an elective. Elective, yeah. Yes, yes. So I was in Warren College, which was like the easiest one with all the electives. Like you could basically do whatever. So I did a, um, I did dance classes there, but I never considered being a dance major just because my first experience with dance at UCSD, it was very like heady. Yeah. Oh my God. It wasn't, it wasn't very like dance centered, but it was like, and now let the movement begin from your knees. Yes. And I was just like, <laughs> oh no, we were just like throwing tennis balls around and I was like, I'm confused. Yeah. I had a similar experience where I, I, um, audition for a dance team and I didn't know that it was like improv or like not improv but interpretive dance so I accidentally went into the audition for an interpretive dance troupe and by the time you're in there there's not that many people so I couldn't like leave and it was very much what you described Mm -hmm. which is like you are a tree and I was like oh my god what am I doing yeah it was it was not what I expected but like it was fun and then by senior year um I, I took theater classes. I had finished my communications major because it's very easy. And so my entire senior year, I took theater classes. Mm. 
And how did, did your mom know about this? Like, did you have conversations with her throughout college? And especially after that type of uh, interaction during high school? (laughs) Yes. So my college experience was a little bit depressing because I, and I'm sure we all relate to this pressure of like, we were told that like, once you graduate high school, you go to college and then that's where you figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And you're, there's just so much pressure of like, finding that thing that in a millennial way, like makes you happy and like is your passion, but also can, can pay your bills. And so I was really struggling to find what that was going to be for me if it wasn't going to be acting. And so freshman to junior year, I was just doing a bunch of internships. I interned, um, at the CW in San Diego. They had a CW affiliate station. So I interned there. That was miserable. I interned at a radio station. I did PR and marketing and everything that could be related to the industry that wasn't being an actor. Um, And I was really, really miserable during all of those and just kind of seeing my future and not being excited about it. Mm. And so I finally sat my mom down after junior year and I was like, I finished my major. I'm going to get a degree. I really, really want to be an actor. And I need you to trust me that I know what I'm doing. And if, and trust that I'll know if it's time to quit. And so I told her that, and she was like, okay, you're still talking about this. Um, cause I had been talking about it since I was like five. She was like, fine, you can, you can try. And so that, that's how that conversation went. And then it was, you know, up and down afterwards, but, um, I, I had like, a little bit of her support, which kept me going. Mm. Yes, we have a lot of guests that come onto our podcast who were raised in households very similar to yours uh, with our Asian cultural upbringing, where our parents have a very specific way that they look at careers and professions. Um, You know, very similar to your mother's reaction of over my dead body when it comes to um, the arts or entertainment. Uh, So it's a real testament to your passion and your confidence and your self-awareness as a child and then going into adulthood to continue abdicating for this passion of yours. Yeah. Um, And also we hear how difficult it is to actually make it in acting in Hollywood as an actress and you have to balance auditions with part-time work and acting classes. Can you share with us what that was like? Because you definitely, it seems like from a young age, you had this inner understanding that this was your calling. But when you start to execute it, uh, I'm sure it can get really quite challenging. So what was that like? Walk us through that. Yeah, um, I think coming into the industry, I I was seeking mentors and um, I found one at, uh, one in, this woman who used to be a manager um, and is no longer in the business. Um, and she was like, hey, it's going to be really, really hard. Like you're not, it's not easy. You're going to want to quit a lot. You're going to think you're not cut out for it. You're going to be broke. You're going to be, mm. you're going to, you have to hustle. And I was like, okay. And so she really scared me into like, into this intense hustle mentality and so I, I was really mentally prepared for it to take a very, very long time for mm. me to book anything. Like I was like, okay, not that I have a timeline, but I'm expecting it to take at least 10 years for me to get a student film. Mm. And am I okay with that? And I decided I am okay with that because this is what I want to do. So right after college, I, I, um, I did all of the actory things of like joining all of these sites where you can submit yourself. And I emailed Long Fu and they never responded. Um, <laughs> I was like, please let me, let me work for you guys. I'll get you coffee and just no response. Aww. But, um, that's their bad. That's, that's, but their yeah, bad. they should have. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. they did eventually. So you bet it's, mm-hmm. they did. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, so, so I immediately went into that hustle mentality of, I'm going to get a few part-time jobs and I'm going to submit myself and I'm going to do these auditions and just keep grinding. It was definitely hard, Um, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And at first I was living at home in um, now Chino Hills where my mom lives. And like there was a, the commute for, to LA for an audition would be like two hours one way. um, And I would just be like losing my mind. 
but yeah, I, I, I was a barista. I was a substitute teacher and I worked at a spin studio and those were all at the same time. Um, so like my day would start at like four in the morning, I would go and open the spin studio and then I would leave that job to go substitute for like a little bit, um, like a half day. And then I would try to squeeze in if I had an audition, then that would happen after subbing. And then I would go and close the cafe. Um, so it was, it was, it was always like a full schedule and it was really stressful. And I, I never wanted to ask my mom for help financially just because that opens the door for, well, if you were doing a real job, you wouldn't have this instability. Mm -hmm. So I was really, my pride kind of got in the way in that sense. But um, looking back and seeing how it all played out, like my time was very short, like compared to how hard other people have hustled and how long they've had to grind at it. Like my trajectory, it, it went really quickly. So, but that's, that's not to take away from like, it, it was hard, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like ultimately rewarding. And I think what kept me going was, I would get like little, little bookings every once in a while that would make me be like, oh, I, oh okay, somebody thinks yeah. there's something interesting about me. And so I guess I'll just keep going. Um, so those tiny little benchmarks would kind of keep me moving forward right. and feeling like I can do this. I mean, this idea that it take 10 years for a new actor to get into a student film and working as a barista and spin studios and and allowing these small wins to keep you going. Did you give yourself like a timeline of if I don't make it in five or 10 years or whatever that timeline would be, then I'm going to go back into doing something that is more of a good traditional job. Did you give yourself that deadline? I never gave myself um, a hard deadline. I think I'm I'm very realistic about who I am and I, I think what I like can bring to the table. And I'm, I'm my own, I'm sure we all are our own harshest critics, but mm-hmm. to be an actor, there of course is like some sense of delusion and like thinking you're special and that people are interested in like seeing your face and listening to what you have to say. But I, I like to think I, I was also very realistic about it. And I think for me, the timeline wasn't so much um, a year mark or, or anything, but it was like a feeling. Mm-hmm. So if I felt like, oh, I'm, when I go into an audition, like, I don't, I feel like they really, like, couldn't give a shit about, about me, then I think that would make me start to question, like, is this what I meant to do? And then if I, like, went however many months without having an audition or having a booking of any sorts or getting close to anything, then I think that would realistically make me be like, okay, is this something that I can pull off? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like I said, the little benchmarks kept me being like, okay, Someone, someone still cares. Yeah. Someone's interested. Yeah. Do you know, do you keep count of how many auditions you've done in your lifetime? Ye- yes. Um, I'm not, not since Kung Fu because like I haven't, like I can't audition anymore. Yeah. But um, before I, like I said, I'm like very realistic. Mm-hmm. So I, and I like to see progress and it's very hard to see in this industry because you're just kind of grinding away and every day kind of feels the same and like the hustle and you're like, oh, I have an audition for this, but like, I'll probably not get it. So I used to keep um, track of every single audition I had and how many callbacks mm. I got. Wasn't it an Excel many, like, file? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It, I like, I like writing things. I wish it wasn't an Excel file, but like, I like writing things down. So um, I have a planner for every year. I, mm. I have like since 2011. So I've mm. got years of it and I write everything down like a diary yeah. almost. And so at the end of the year, in the back of the, the planner, I'll have all of the, the tallies of everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, and man. yeah, and like 2018, I think I went on like 150 auditions and I didn't book anything oh in gosh. 2018. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That is so every that, other that, day that you were doing an audition. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, I, and I got none of it. Um and then 2019, I actually started booking, but, and the num it, and it was so weird because like the audition numbers got smaller, but like I started mm. getting like more callbacks and more mm. bookings. 
Wow. Go, yeah. go you for being extremely <laughs> resilient in this industry and pushing yourself ahead despite all of that. You know, the you see you can see it as like rejection, basically. Like that is a hard oh, pill yeah. to swallow. Wow. Props yeah. to you for doing that. Yeah, it's like going in for a job interview um, every other day and Oof. not not getting the job. Yeah. Did, did, you, did you get to a point where you're just like, okay, I'm not going to get this. I'm just going to show up as like a different character or like with a lot more confidence because you're going to reject me anyway. So I'm just going to show up. Like, did you get to that point? Yes. <laughs> yes. And that was 2019 oh. when I, I didn't care anymore. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. In 2018, I feel like every, because I was like living paycheck to paycheck, every audition was like, so I need to book this oh, so that I can pay my rent. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And they can feel yeah, it. Yeah, they yeah. can really feel when you're coming in with this like intense energy of like, mm. please like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please, <laughs> I need this. And then it's like, they're feeling the pressure like, oh God, yeah, yeah. Right. this girl is like going to die if she doesn't yeah. get this. That's too much pressure for us. I love the, um, I love the, the, the duality of what you mentioned that to do this, you have to both be a little bit like fantastical and dreaming but then also to be grounded um, in your approach which is like you were documenting and you were being receptive to how the industry was responding to you and taking that information into account in terms of your like planning for this career so I think that's a great message to share to anyone listening and who is interested in like a creative um, profession yeah Yeah. I have a couple friends who are very close and they're in the Wong Fu universe. Um, Amanda and Justin. I love obviously. it. The Wong Fu universe. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we, the three of us always talk about like checking in mm-hmm. um, and, and really being realistic with what we think is possible for us. And um, just, just because, yeah, there is that, that delusion that you can really sweep you away and like make you feel like, like you got this and, and, and the harsh reality is like, not everyone, right. ha- not everyone got this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not everyone also has like the, the mental capacity to just like keep grinding because, because mm-hmm. it is, it does get really hard. Um, so yeah, we, we talk about like checking in with like truly being real with ourselves mm-hmm. and being like, can I do this? Mm-hmm. Or do I want to keep doing this? Right, right. Because, like, mm. sometimes, I don't know about you, but, like, I would have been kind of embarrassed if if I had to. Not that it's embarrassing, but there's a, a piece of me that has that pride that's, like, I don't want to have failed. Right, right. So, mm-hmm. like, that also kind of pushes me. I, I just want to like, prove people wrong. Of course, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 With spring right around the corner, it's time we update our wardrobe. Living in California, we are incredibly lucky to have sunshine, blue skies, and just the perfect breezy weather almost every day. The three of us have pieces from Jenny Kane, and they are a great source for everyday elevated essentials. Pieces that will keep you looking stylish and feeling great for years to come. One piece I knew I had to add to my closet was their cashmere fisherman sweater. I'm such a sucker for oversized sweaters because I feel like you can wear them year-round. In the spring, I like to pair them with either shorts or leggings. The sweater is super cozy, luxe, and lightweight. I can also layer it under a coat if it gets chilly at night or just by itself around the house. I feel you, Jay. The sweaters are super cozy and I swear I wear mine every day. My personal favorite is their cashmere fisherman hoodie and it literally goes with everything. I got mine in oatmeal and it just brightens up my wardrobe. It also makes getting ready in the morning super easy. I throw it on with any bottoms, walk out of the house super quick, and look cute too. Find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com and get 15% off your first order when you use code ABG at checkout. That's J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com with promo code ABG. Hi everyone, Helen here, and if you've been listening to us for a while now, you know that Skillshare is a longtime sponsor of Asian Boss Girl. Thank you, Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community where millions come together to take the next step in their creative journey. They offer thousands of classes on topics including illustration, design, web development, photography, video, freelancing, and so much more. We know our listeners are always looking for ways to level themselves up, and Skillshare is a great way to tap into that creativity. As content creators ourselves now at ABG, we have a lot of different platforms to manage, from our podcasts to our YouTube, newsletter, Instagram, and social media, speaking events, and even bigger projects to come. I found the class 
productivity for creatives, build a system that brings out your best to be a great class to work on my efficiency, which y'all know I am all about. Skillshare is also more affordable than pricey in-person classes and workshops with an annual subscription that's less than $10 a month. Less than $10 a month. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com ABG and get a free trial of premium membership. Again, that's Skillshare.com ABG to get started with a free trial of premium membership. Skillshare.com ABG. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swathers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is there ever a time that you just went in like, I'm just here to show up, but then what changed mentally for you from 2018 to 2019? Um, real talk, I went to therapy. Yes. <laughs> and um, yes. I, yes. I, you know, I stopped. I, I've always been a very anxious person, like prone to anxiety and panic attacks. Mm. And that was kind of taking over my life, mm. which is why it was so bizarre that I would choose such an unstable path for myself mm. because it mm-hmm. just like, I was just asking to be miserable and to have these this like stress constantly building in my life. Um, but when I went to therapy, I started to kind of release a lot of the expectations I had of myself as a person. And then that bled into the expectations I had for my career. Mm-hmm. It just re- chilled me out. Like I just became mm-hmm. more chill mm-hmm. and less anxious about every little thing, such as like, going into an audition and being like, I got to book this. But instead I was like, you know what? It's okay. I've got three other jobs. I'm just gonna, if it's meant to be mine, then it will be mine. And all I can, the only thing I have control over is myself. And once I realized that, um, it just kind of, I think shifted everything in my life. Like not only in my career, but like I stopped being, such a people pleaser because mm-hmm. I can't actually control how people receive me. Mm-hmm. And it's just what, what what I can only do my best and then hope that that's received well. But like, if it's not, then that's not on me. And I used to like take that burden and be like, and just want to make everyone around me happy and be the best at everything that I was doing. Mm-hmm. But once I released all of that pressure on myself, it, um, it shifted mm-hmm. me internally. Yeah. yeah, that's no, that's amazing to hear. We know we here at ABG we're like big advocates of you know going to therapy, seeking seeking help when you need it, and uh, we all three of us have definitely benefited from going as well. Um, it seems like you're going. You went through so much in the past few years, you know, before kung fu and all, and even probably during. Um, I know you you told your mom that you know I want to pursue acting um, during these tough times as you're navigating like multiple jobs and auditions. Um, how was your relationship with your family like during these times? Because I know like one of the biggest things of being, being in an Asian family, they, they want stability for your, for their kids. And I feel like, you know, the life of an actor and actress is like, it's like you said, paycheck to paycheck. So, um, I know you also had pride. So I was just wondering like, what was your relationship like with your family during this time? Ultimately, any tension with my mom that happened with me choosing acting was just like you said, our, our families, they came here 
And they didn't come here for us to like be a struggling artist. They came here to like plant roots and then have you kind of flourish. Mm -hmm. And I think for my mom, it was just really hard for her to see me struggling. So any, any like pushback that I ever got, I, I, I know was because she just wanted me to be okay. Mm-hmm. So through the years, it would be like, are you sure you don't want to go to law school? Or I'm like, this person went to pharmacy school. This person's doing this. Did you hear this? You know, the comparison mm-hmm. of like the, the friend's kids. Mm-hmm. And I think there was also our, our parents' pride that mm-hmm. they're trying to protect. And so one time she was like, I don't know what to tell my friends you're doing. And I was like, well, you can tell them I'm an actor. And she was like, but like, you haven't done anything. And I was still like, that really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, but she didn't know, like, like we don't have family in the business, right. so she doesn't know what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately she really wanted to help because she's mm-hmm. like, I'll pay for you to go to law school, but like, I'm not going to pay for you to mm-hmm. be an actor, you know? Cause that's, yeah. cause that's the Asian way. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think it, it was strenuous only because she cared a lot mm-hmm. and wanted the best for me. But there did come a point where she was, it was so rare. Like I booked it like a really tiny part and I never showed her. And then I finally like showed her. I think I didn't show her cause it was like a sex scene. Um, <laughs> Olivia, we're yeah. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Let's pull up this clip. Yeah. Please don't yeah. look it up. Um, That's our uh, promo clip. I- <laughs> but yeah, she. I, I showed her the clip leading up to you know the the deed, and she was like, "That's not you." And I was like, "Yeah, that's me." And she was like, "No, that's not you." And I was like, "That, Mama, that's me." And she was like. You're really good. Oh, like she wow. like was completely she cuz she'd never seen she never seen anything. Yeah. And yeah. so I think there was a shift for her there where she was like, "Oh, I think you got it." Mm-hmm. And that it was like it was also a lot of conversations of like, "I know I didn't book this, but like I got a callback and that's really good. Like not a lot of people get callbacks and just having to really explain the industry mm-hmm. to her." Um because she just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so once once she was aware of the benchmarks, um, she was excited about them as well. And was like, eventually in like 2019, she was like, you know what? If you don't get it, it's okay. There's going to be something else for you. So like there was a huge shift for my mom yeah. from starting at like over my dead body. I don't know what to tell people you're doing because you're not really an actor to now like right before Kung Fu being like, you know what? It's, if it's not that, it'll be something else. Like, that was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and that's, it makes sense to kind of see why you developed this uh, approach that was very balanced um, and, like, grounded in reality. Um, And that, I I can definitely sense that maturity about you that, um, you know, that that's a huge skill, I think, in any profession that you go into um, to really be able to understand the industry. Um, And especially a profession like this where it takes a lot of personal confidence um, to be able to explain to your you know, to someone like, and especially a parent, uh, what, what success looks like and to not have that affect your ego along the way. So, um, kudos to you for being able to manage that relationship with your, with your family. Um, so, and you shared with us like the, how impactful that turning moment is for you, for your mom to be able to recognize like, wow, okay, you are like, I see a talent in you. Um, was there, were there other moments for you where you felt like you really made it and, you know, throughout kind of the harsh bumps along the road of this journey really compelled you to keep going. Yes, totally. There, there, um, especially in, in 2018 when like 150 auditions, like none of them booked, I needed to grasp onto things, benchmarks of the past that convinced me that I, I really like had something. Um, one of those things was, um, when I, I went, I ended up going to UCLA for a year um, for an acting program. And we had this um, actor director come in and he, um, his name is Alfred Molina. And he like, I think he directed Tom Hanks in something. And he, oh, he's, he's the, the evil octopus man in Spider-Man. Spider-Man, okay. Yes. So he came in and did a master class with us. And I did a scene in front of him with one of my really good friends. And... Um, he pulled me aside afterwards and he was like, Hey, you're going to make it. And I was like, what? 
from you. And so like, and like, I don't think he, he obviously doesn't remember doing that probably and didn't realize how impactful that was. But I like through 2018, I was like, okay, that guy said like you had something. Mm. So like, just keep going. Um, and then in 2017, I, I made um, the ABC showcase, which is, which is something that like a lot of actors got their start in. It, it was like a, a big network saying like putting their stamp of approval on you. Mm. And so I felt like, okay, this network thinks that I, I have something. So when that, that year long dry spell was happening, I was thinking back to like, no, you know, like some people believe in you. So like when I, when I could feel myself not believing in myself anymore, I would draw from the people who I knew believed in me. And so that kind of kept me going. Based on your personal experience in the industry, because we sort of hear this outside all the time too, are you seeing more opportunities for Asian female actors out there? Yes, 100% yes. And, and it's a very small dif- difference that I've, I've noticed. But um, when I was starting out, the auditions that I would go in for are ethnically ambiguous mm-hmm. or open ethnicity. And so it wouldn't be specific to to a, a type of person. It, so I would go into these auditions and I would I would just count myself out almost immediately because I would see like every color of the rainbow and I'd be like, well, it's not me. It's going to go to the blonde girl, but they just need to be like PC mm-hmm. and open it up to, to everybody. Um, and then mm. over the years, I've seen it become very specific. Like they'll give her a last name and it's an Asian last name. And you're like, oh, okay, this is for sure going to go to an Asian girl. And then you start going into the audition room and like, it's all Asian girls around you. And oftentimes they're your friends because it's a really small <laughs> business or like small, small group of people. Yeah. But yeah, I, I did start to notice like those open ethnicity calls were were getting fewer and fewer and people were becoming very specific about the the, the characters that they were writing um, and I think it's it's even more now because we have so many Asian creators that are behind the scenes um, that are pushing their stories forward mm-hmm. and what they know is is us and so they're writing for us which is great Wow, that's amazing to hear how that you saw that that shift of even the last name. I think I think you're right. Like, I, there's a lot of amazing people like behind the camera, behind the scripts, who are really pushing for our stories to be heard. Olivia, like, how has your how did your Asian identity play a role in you being an actress? So this is an interesting thing for me because growing up in that six two six nine zero nine area, like I was surrounded by my people, and um, I never. Mm-hmm was made to be that aware of my Asian-ness. And then even going to UCSD, like the orgs that I was in, like a bunch of Asian people. So I was always comfortable with my identity as an Asian person. I I was never made to feel like it was any different from from the, the, Mm -hmm. the, the bigger world. And I also, I don't know why, but when I was, when I would like watch TV or movies as a, as a child, I never registered like no one looks like me it was just like that looks fun I and I was able to empathize with those characters on the screen so I I was never truly bothered by the lack of representation I saw until I actually went into the industry and I started experiencing I I I was made to like look at my Asian-ness once I got into the business, mm. um, I was like, like made hyper aware of it. So like I would walk into a room and be like, well, I'm the only Asian person here. Or like I would be at a callback for a commercial and it's like me standing in front of like 10 white men who are like judging me and just like sitting back and determining whether or not like I'm worthy of this job. And so um, it wasn't until I got into the business that I, I was made aware of of just how Asian I am and maybe how there isn't a space for me. So yeah, I, I, I love seeing how it's shifted and um, I, I never let that hold me back. I mean, I, I did like for probably like a few months have this like chip on my shoulder of like not feeling Asian enough for the Asian parts that were available at the time because they were still very superficially like fresh off the boat. Like they wanted like a little China doll and I was like, I'm tan, I'm tall, mm. like I don't know. Like they, I, I felt like they didn't know what to do with me or like I didn't really have a, a, a place. Mm. Like I wasn't Asian enough to play the Asian girls, but I wasn't 
ethnically ambiguous enough to do anything else. And so I had that chip on my shoulder for a while. But yeah, now that the industry shifted and I'm seeing all types of Asian people represented, um, it's it's just amazing. And it's it, it's so important. And I think the conversation about representation now is like, I don't think the importance is so much Asians needing to see themselves on the screen. Like that, of course, is important. But I think it's making sure other people know that we exist. Like we're part of their narrative and their worldview too. Because I think that that's like a root of of all this violence. I went to Erie, Pennsylvania like two years ago. And like, I think I was the first Asian person they'd ever seen. Like, but if, if they had been watching a show that like had an Asian, like I wouldn't be the first Asian person. So it's not so much for us because mm. like there are people who are just like proud to be Asian, but it's for everybody else so that we're part of their worldview, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that is a, an incredible like perspective to take. Um, so knowing that that's kind of your like insight um, when when did you feel like you needed to play a part in this? Or is that do you see that as kind of your role in, in this movement? I think there wasn't an exact moment of like, I want to, to be part of this movement. Um, I think simply by like all four of us existing, like we're part of the movement, like we're we're representing already. And like, it, it's it's a large burden to carry. And I think that's why I've like strayed away from it. Because like Crazy Rich, there was so much pressure on all of those actors and the creators and 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 whoever was behind it to be like, if this fails, like no one's going to want to see Asians ever again. Like that's just like way too intense. And so thinking about like how historic Kung Fu is going to be, like I try not to think about it because it's too, it's too scary to think about um, like disappointing all of our people. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's unfortunate that like every Asian project feels like it has to speak for all of us. Mm. So I, I think I'm trying to stray away from that mentality and just be like, I'm on the ride and I'm part of the movement. And like, just by them green lighting this and me being me existing and all of my castmates existing on this network, like the movement is being pushed forward and we don't necessarily need mm. to shove it down anyone's throat, but like, we're just going to keep doing a good job so that we represent well. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's like the only way to really um, just mentally for yourself to to know that you are pushing the agenda forward, but it's not such a monumental thing. And, and I know it feels that way because there is still scarcity just in representation. Yeah. So it feels like everything that goes out has to has to be good. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's like do your best. And that is the best that you can do. You can't push beyond that. You can't represent mm-hmm. for everyone, you know. But like you said, we just need to have yes. more out there. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, it's been difficult these past few weeks processing everything going on in our Asian American community. Even though I have a great circle of friends to vent to, there are things I feel like I just can't share. For moments like this, I know I can turn to BetterHelp for an unbiased opinion and someone to share my opinions with. BetterHelp is a professional counseling service available for our listeners worldwide and would highly encourage it. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today and is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. I really enjoy my sessions with my counselor and appreciate how she affirms my feelings. She reassures me and ultimately makes me feel less alone in my thoughts. I typically do monthly video calls with her, but we message in between in case something comes up. So whether you work better with phone, video calls, or messaging, BetterHelp has options for you. It's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and ABG listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com abg10. That's better, H-E-L-P, and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Again, you can try it out at betterhelp.com abg10. I like to keep my clothing pretty monochromatic and simple, but love to add quirky pops with accessories. This year, I've been doing that with my glasses. I recently got a new pair from Coastal.com where you can get prescription glasses starting at $9 with free shipping and 60 days risk-free returns. They have the most advanced virtual try-on technology, which was pretty cool. When I was using it, it almost felt like I was playing with different IG filters. I got to test out colored lens tints and different frame shapes right on my phone, on my couch, instead of having to spend so much time and money at a store. Coastal has over 2,000 frames and 24-hour customer support. They were voted Newsweek's 
America's best customer service, which I can attest to. When I got my Derek Cardigan Propus frame in satin silver, I liked the frame, but I changed my mind about the color. So I called their customer support and they were incredibly nice and helpful. I've been wanting a pair of aviator-like frames for a while, so I'm super psyched to start wearing these. And when you buy a pair from Coastal, you can donate a pair to someone in need in just one click at no extra cost. To date, Coastal has given more than 500,000 pairs of glasses to people in need across the world. Now, and for a limited time, they're offering our listeners the best deal they have going anywhere. 30% off your first pair of glasses at coastal.com slash boss girl. Get free shipping, 60 day risk-free returns and 30% off at coastal.com slash boss girl. Discount applied at checkout only for a limited time spelled C O A S T A L.com slash boss girl. Some restrictions apply. These past few months, I've had way too much screen time, whether it's responding to a text or trying to keep up with all the news. I think I can speak for a lot of us when I say we're all pretty fatigued from staring at our screens which is why I am so thankful to have Audible, the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. I've been using Audible a lot these past few months, and I'm currently listening to an audiobook called The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. I'm sure a lot of you know this book well, and I read this a while ago and decided to choose this one because of where we are at this moment, needing to humanize the Asian and Asian female experiences. And in listening to the stories of these pairs of mothers and daughters who face generational differences in livelihoods, I hear my own experiences with my mom represented in these characters, and on a different level than when I first picked up the Joyla Club. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news digests like the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Explore all the ways listening on Audible can help improve mind, body, and soul with entertainment, information, and inspiration. Visit audible.com abg or text abg to 500-500. That's audible.com abg or text abg to 500-500. Thank you so much for sharing your background and your career and thoughts about your Asian American identity. I want to move on to Kung Fu. (laughs) Saving this last segment for Kung Fu. First off, congrats on such a pivotal role, starring and playing such a badass Asian boss girl, the character of Nikki in Kung Fu. Um, Can you walk us through the moment that you got the role? What was the audition like? And what was that call that you received, like um, letting you know that you got the role? Yeah, um... So I have a really, like, it warms my heart story about this audition process. Um, So just like for me personally, it was a Um, self-tape. It was the first time that I saw an audition come into my inbox that was like lead of a CW show, Nikki, Asian American woman. And I was just like, hold on, what's happening right now? Uh And reading the script, I was just like, I don't even have to act. This is just me. Mm. So like, it was like very low stakes. Like I had done the work to like not make everything so precious and I was already Mm. working on a different show. So like I had that kind of ease and confidence that, um, that if it's meant to be, it will be. And so I did one take of each scene and then I just sent it in. And then a couple weeks later, my um, agent called me and she was like, you're going to test for the lead of this show. And I was like, shut your mouth. You're joking. Um, Because it's crazy. Because it's just crazy. Um, And then I ended up not even being able to go to that initial callback in front of all of the the executives because I was working in Atlanta and the show I was on was like, you're working the next day. You can't go back to LA. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And so I kind of released it and was like, again, if it's meant to be, it will be. Um, My agent called me after they did that initial test. She said they scrapped all of the Nikki's except for you. Um, and they're going to, and hopefully you can come back and, and test in front of them. And so serendipitously, I had four days off of the other show. So I went home and in those four days, I went to Warner brothers and the CW network and I did all the testing and then, and then I, I got it, but I, I just want to like tell you guys this like really amazing part of it, which was the final test day where we were doing it in front of all of CW and all of Warner Brothers and it was a room full of Asians like waiting to go in for these parts and you hear about this moment from like I listen to a lot of podcasts about the industry and people describe this moment where you're sitting in the waiting room with all of your competition um, as very scary 
and like people are like like in the corner like listening to their music and trying to be really like to themselves and protect themselves but for us we were all talking like some of us already knew each other we were friends already just from the industry being so small and every time someone went into the audition room and then came out we like got into a group hug and we were like you did it and it was just it like there was no sense of like I better get this over that bitch. Like it it was just like, oh my God, they're making this pilot with all Asians and it's going to be on a major network and it's going to be the first of its kind. Like there was just that energy was fueling all of us. And I think we were all like, Mm -hmm. if it's not me, at least it's going to be one of us. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad it's going to be. So like, I don't know, the, the, like the support that, that comes in, like Mm -hmm. just from this small community, because we know like we're so small, it's so scarce. Like, I really, truly feel like we're all happy for each other um, mm. when it comes to booking things. And, you know, we're all like, yes, it's like it's happening. At least there's one. But yeah, um, it was a it was a kind of an arduous process of like going to the network. And then then the, the next day after that day where we were all in a group hug and we all felt great and we we're like, it's done. I ended up having to go back in um, and I was in the room for like three hours and they were just drilling these audition pages in me they're like we don't like you're the choice but these these scenes don't lend to all of the emotions we need to see from you so we're gonna push you and so like for three hours they're like trying to get all of these levels of emotions that you would need to see throughout a series Mm. but then I finally I finally got it um my agent called me and she was like it's yours and I was like what and I'm still like what (laughs) Yeah, like it's still really unbelievable. I love that story. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I love because yeah. we don't, you know, people outside mm-hmm. of the industry and people who are not actors and actresses, we don't see what happens inside that room. And uh, for you to give us that insight, it's like very heartwarming to know that there is such beautiful support within our community for each other to really just win one and keep winning. Yeah, um, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Aww. Olivia, we definitely see like you know behind the scenes of your story. It, for me, it's I, I think all of us do. It's it's really fun to follow you as you're preparing for the premiere and seeing you shoot in Vancouver. Um, I know you have to learn a lot of like martial arts, right? You have to learn kung fu because the show is called Kung Fu. Like, I guess can you walk us through how you prepared for the role? So, um, I never ever ever wanted to to do martial arts, um, just because starting out in 2016 2017 it was still like such a typecast Mm. for Asians Mm. like if you're an Asian actor you do martial arts and so I had several agents tell me like why don't you have martial arts on your resume it was like I'm never gonna fucking learn martial arts like (laughs) why do you have to stereotype me and so I made it like a point and a promise to myself like I'm never gonna learn martial arts until I'm paid to learn martial arts for a show or a movie and so, like, cut to now, like, I'm on a show called Kung Fu, and um, I have to fight every <laughs> every episode. Um, but so now, I, of course, I do wish that I wasn't, like, so stubborn and <laughs> being such a little brat about, like, learning martial arts. But um, we have, like, a world-class stunt team. They trained me really well. I think it's really helpful that I have a dance background just because martial arts really is, like, it's a dance with your, especially like TV martial arts where it's just choreography. That was really helpful. And um, they, they sent me through like a, a three week boot camp before I went back up with this like amazing wushu martial artist who's based in, in Alhambra. Um, his name's Sam. And he, he drilled me. We, we met three times a week for like four hours um, for three weeks. And uh, my body, I've never been through so much pain in my life. I have so much respect for martial artists. But yeah, th- th- there wasn't a lot of like background in it, but preparing for it was a lot of just teaching me basics. Um, and then having a dance background has been really helpful in picking up choreography since it goes by so quickly. Like we only have nine days to shoot every episode and a fight could take like two full days. And so I don't get a day off. And so like squeezing in that time to, to prepare for a fight is um is a little tricky, but I'm I'm grateful for the dance background to pick things up quickly. 
Um, and I have the best stunt double in the world. She like makes me look like such a badass. Nice. <laughs> Shout out to the stunt doubles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Megan Hui. Megan Hui, I love you. Um, so Olivia, you had shared that when you had read about the character of Nikki, you were like, oh my gosh, this is like me. Um, without giving away too much, can you share with us kind of like what are some specific details about, um, about Nikki that you feel like is, you know, that you deeply resonate with? Yeah, I think all four of us are about to resonate with Nikki and like, I think every Asian kid is going to resonate because, um, our creator, showrunner, writer, her name's Christina Kim. Um, she's amazing. She just was so specific about the Asian American experience, um, in creating Nikki. So like Nikki is straight A, Harvard, all of that, like followed her mom's plan for her to the T. Then she finds, and then she kind of has this quarter life crisis realization of, um, holy shit, I've never made, um, an independent decision in my life. My whole life has been controlled by what my mom and my parents expect of me. And I don't actually know who I am or what I want. I need to figure that out. Um, so she runs away and, and, finds solace at a, at a Shaolin monastery and kind of finds, figures out who she is independent of her family, the expectations, um, of her, of her parents, of, of being a, a younger and an older sister, you know, all of these, these pressures that we put on ourselves, she was like released from when she ran away and was able to really find out who she is. But now she has to come home and, and reckon with everything that she left behind and kind of, who she is with her family, the old Nikki and like this, the newfound like voice that she has and merging those things kind of in the way that you would like need to let your parents know you're, you don't want to go to law school anymore or, or whatever. And so she's kind of like this double fish out of water. And like, again, as like all Asian Americans can relate to, we, we don't really know where we belong um, being seen as alien in this country and being seen as like not having roots, even though we have roots, mm. but then going back to where our parents came from and them clearly being like, you're American. And so she, she struggles with this, like this kind of limbo space too, mm. of, of the, mm. the two people that she, she, she is. Um, mm. and I think, mm-hmm. I think we all relate to that. Um, not, and not just Asians, but like any person of color in this country, relates to 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 the duality of their like of their personalities and and their existences who they are to the world and who they who they really are for Mm -hmm. sure i mean i think every asian american is going to relate to this even just thinking about our history in this country is so short-lived that we do have one foot in our parents or grandparents generation and then one foot in america so um i'm i'm i love that storyline and we're so excited um to watch this So here's a random question. When do you feel the most badass and empowered? It could be anything. It could be like when you're brushing your teeth and you're like, I'm getting all the gunk out of my Ooh. mouth. It could be when you're like <laughs> kicking ass on set. When do you feel most? I don't know. That was yes. a random ass example. But... <laughs> I think I think, I think think Helen feels really empowered. When she's when brushing, brushing her teeth. Her teeth. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got nice teeth. But yeah. I, just, I saw your smile and I was like, you got some good teeth. Let me... <laughs> There are a lot of ways that I feel empowered and especially like after therapy and like allowing myself to just like be, there have been so many more ways that I just like feel good. Um, like cliche, like I feel good when I like feel cute, like, sorry, Mm -hmm. maybe that's like not feminist, but like if I feel cute, like I'm feeling ready to take on the world. Um, I feel really empowered on set when there's sometimes something that doesn't feel authentically Asian American because we do have a great writer's room of like a lot of Asian Americans, but sometimes our scripts are written by non um, Asians. And so like, I feel really powerful when I'm like reading the script and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to change that. I'm going to reach out because that's not authentic to our experience and I'm going to let them know. Mm. Um, and so like, I feel like I'm really taking charge and like part of the, 
the movement. Mm. Those are like the things that come to the to the top of my head when I when I think about like feeling like a boss ass bitch. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's that, those are way better answers than brushing your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> but also when I brush my teeth. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Olivia. We can't wait for everyone to watch the premiere of Kung Fu on Wednesday, April 7th. We will definitely be tuning in. Um, for our listeners, where can we find you either online or anywhere else to stay updated with your projects and your work? Oh, um, my Instagram is at itneeolive. Um, my Twitter is Olivia Liang underscore, and you can also find all of the CW Kung Fu's pages on those as well. And I think, you know, trailer's going to drop soon, new poster, and watch us Wednesday, April 7th at 8. Woo! We are so excited for you, Olivia. And listeners, make sure to go and support our girl, Olivia, in Kung Fu. Thank you again so much, Olivia. Thank you. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube, where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dairy ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at Asian Boss Girl. We also have a few shoutouts for today. Happy birthday to Chanel in San Jose from your friend. Kung says, thank you for always being by my side. And happy birthday to Stacy in San Diego from Linda. She says, you have been a wonderful friend throughout medical school, and you'll be an amazing pediatric resident at the Children's Hospital. From Rena to Iris in Tennessee, you are doing such an amazing job in the push for Asian American studies at Vanderbilt. You're going to do amazing things when you graduate this spring. And lastly, Kathy to Pauline and Kayleen, happy four years of being my wonderful little sisters. She loves you girls and miss you both so much. If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree in our link in bio and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. And we will catch you all on the next episode. Bye.